Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's Big Fall Sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. Some brands offer you low finance, or cashback, or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar, with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Friday. It's December 7th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. We are live on YouTube, so go check that out. And we're from DFSR.com, DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you started on our premium membership. It's free for seven days and then just $24.95 a month after. It includes Optimal Lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NBA, NFL while the season still trucks along. Uh, premium articles can include some betting uh, strategies going forward uh, premium articles for football as well all covered under one subscription package so go check that out dfsr.com slash deals that's a special deal just for the podcast listener but you know that already buddy big friday in the nba here um we've got some marquee matchups uh we're going to break down the injury news we are going to uh take a look at like you know where we can maybe pivot into cash games and, and whatnot. Um, real quick question uh, before we even get to it: How excited Bam Adebayo is a power forward on Fanduel? When you saw this, this morning, when you saw this morning, I couldn't. I was, I was fully. <laughs> I don't. I want to get. I want to get the explicit tag here. I was as excited in all parts of me as you could ever be when I saw that Bam Adebayo was a power forward. When I was writing that up today, do you think that Fanduel did this because they've heard our cries that the that the uh, the position is, is so terrible that they finally just put Adebayo in there like on the day? That white side is out. We're going to get to this game a little bit, but when you saw this, do you feel like half your night is just made that much easier because power forward is just that big of a problem? Yeah, I mean, because we just almost never have a play we can get excited about a power forward, and being able to especially punt away the position is just so important on FanDuel that I'm extremely excited, Doug. I don't want to get into kind of the creepy TMI sort of discussion like you did about how excited you are, but... Whoa, you yes, you, I, you I, inferred... I was... That's an inference on you. You don't know what I was talking about there. I'm just saying all parts of me were as excited as humanly possible. All right, we're going to get into uh, this full huh. slate of games. It's pretty. It's actually a pretty nice way that this schedule tonight, there's no real late games. Like last night was a disaster, 8 o'clock game, then two, a 10 o'clock game and a 10.30 game, which for news really very makes, makes things really tough. We have things a little more compressed in terms of schedule tonight. Denver goes in and plays Charlotte. Denver's a one-point road favorite uh, against the Hornets. Let's talk about, I'll break down some of the injury pieces here, and then we'll talk about some possible plays. So Gary Harris is out again. Uh, we have something of uh, a good comp of what the Denver's plan is when he's out. We'll talk about that in a second. And then Marvin Williams is questionable after sitting out last game. Michael Kidd, girl Chris, grab the start. Let's talk on the Denver side. I sure. seem to like to want to play Jamal Murray more than you do. Um with especially yeah, I'm, I'm converted a little bit on Murray I, I guess if the plan is really to play him 40 minutes in close games then you probably do just have to play him uh, he was heavily owned last time that game went to overtime so the 46 minutes weren't 
the plan, but 40 or 41 minutes are the plan. Uh, that's probably all you need to know. So yeah, I think Maurice is solid play. Yeah, I, I have him at 40 minutes right now. It could be low. They, you know, when they yeah. when Harris is off the court, they're fine running him in those two guard sets, like kind of converting him back into a shooting guard. His usage goes way up too. He took over 20 shots in that game. Uh, so really, all the positive things from a DFS angle happen for Murray. He's still very scoring dependent. He's not your typical point guard. He needs to shoot threes and he needs to make them. Um, you know, we see. How how players score points is is important in terms of like their just variance and Murray is from a point guard perspective almost more like a shooting guard so just keep that in mind he, and he, his price did come up on Fanduel seventy four hundred what about some of these other guys like Juancho Hernan Gomez played a lot of minutes like you can maybe put him in for thirty Tory Craig did get the start Jokic obviously can kind of come and go anything else you like here on the Denver side. Not especially. I think, you know, Paul Millsap is a dude, a body, a power forward, if that's something you really need to dip yourself into. Uh, I think Hernan Gomez, he's probably my second favorite play here. Again, it just comes down to what their plan is going to be because, you know, he played 31 minutes in regulation against Orlando, but prior to that, he'd been playing 28 in a couple games and down to 23. And then, you know, in late November, he was playing very solidly in the 30s minutes. So uh, it really comes down to reading the tea leaves on Denver's plan. And hoping that if he does play the minutes he actually produces because there was a decent stretch where he was playing 30 minutes and only scoring 15 fantasy points and uh, the current price doesn't really sustain that so yeah Denver unfortunately like there is opportunity there I mean you'd think between like Will Barton Gary Harris Wilson Chandler not being there like you'd think there would be even more but there just kind of hasn't been but uh, even you know that actually supports your thesis that uh, Jamal Murray's a good play because you know Monte Morris like that never materialized I certainly thought he would get more playing time Malik Beasley like Malik Beasley yeah. comes in and plays you know 28 minutes one game and then kind of just doesn't yeah, come it's, just, up it's the bench. a tragedy the commons at the shooting guard spot unfortunately uh so and the, none of those guys that come in they like they seem to be brought in almost strictly for defensive purposes yep. so I'm not going to bother with probably anyone on this team outside of Murray. Yeah, when you when you share the court with Jokic and Murray, especially with Mur- uh, uh, Harris out, like the usage is going to China is is going to kind of drop off for some of those guys. Um but you know, we're we're going to be in a place where DraftKings where some of these guys are so cheap that it's probably going to be worth to consider. Um uh, on, on the Charlotte side, I mean, from our system's purposes, Michael K- Gilchrist might be some combination of like Larry Bird and um maybe like a little bit of Charles Barkley and then like I don't know, a little Dennis Rodman too. Like our system just Cannot stop loving this guy, especially if, like, I have him at 24 minutes. He's the second highest points per dollar <laughs> small forward on the slate. Um, you know, this taking into, I'm saying points per dollar because I'm taking into account the, the salary right. here. I did look into it, though. If he drew the start again, I think, one, he ran a little bad on minutes. He did take 10 shots. It's, that's no small feat for a guy like him to get 10 shots in when he's sharing the court with Kemba. If he got the start again, small forward is very weak. That's the This is the other issue, too. It's a, This is a bad, this is almost like, they, this is like almost power forward territory in terms of lack of player pool today. But um, thoughts on Gilchrist and anything else on the Hornets side? Yeah, I don't think I'm too high on Gilchrist. Uh, almost starting for him, you know, by my observation, seemed to be as much a curse as it was a blessing. Like, the minutes didn't really go up. He played 23 minutes. He didn't seem to have the ball in his hands very often. I get that he wound up shooting, but the 14 fantasy points, or I'm sorry, the 16 fantasy points in just 23 minutes on a points-per-minute basis, that was dramatically less than any of his other games this season where he was coming off the bench and was a more active member of the offense. So I don't know. I mean, it's only a one-game sample size. So like you said, maybe the minutes, maybe the plan for the minutes was to be a little bit higher. Uh, Maybe the plan was to have him, you know, I get probably if he's going to shoot 10 times, the plan would hopefully for him to score more than nine points. But I get why we would might have to do it. Like if he winds up starting, I think probably 23 minutes is the floor in that instance. 
And I can't say I'd be thrilled about it either. Yeah, I mean, one thing that our system draws on for him a little bit is the defensive stuff. Like, he can get blocks and steals. He has, in the five games since he's been back, he has five blocks and four steals. Um, they just, they, they tend to cluster. And that when that happens, for especially for, this is why it likes him on FanDuel, is because those, those stats are worth so much. And so, um, if you can get, like, the three-block game that he had two games before in 19 minutes against New Orleans then you're looking at you're not looking at getting dumpstered on his price so that's a really that's i think that's where our system actually likes him is that that it's that sillily sillily i'm saying the wrong word um it's silly yeah, that there's the, 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 yeah the, it's, i was trying to like use the word silly and then added the uh, suffix to the end of it, it but, um yeah so yeah yes um so i think that's where it's that those are a little bit overweighted i think that's where it's drawing uh, him out and then we didn't really see that we didn't really see the minutes go crazy on everyone else Batum did play a little bit more all right seven o'clock other game uh sixers Go in and play the Pistons. Sixers are three-point home favorites. It's a 219 over-under. The story here is that uh, the last time they played, Embiid had one of the best tweets of all time after the game where he said that... I posted this in our chat game, or our cash game article for today. The link to it is so hilarious. It was something like, I'm, I own so much real estate up in <laughs> up in Dr- Drummond's head right now. And it was a picture of him like Embiid building a house. But then it said hashtag bum, which I loved. I just loved, for some reason, the hashtag bum on Drummond. just had me absolutely dying. Um, but there's clearly a rivalry here. If you want to consider a rivalry a thing where one guy just completely dominates the other guy, Embiid is co- just totally and completely owned Drummond tonight. Our system's calling him out as like, almost like a must-cash play. We do not use... Uh, historical stats versus a team this is just simply Embiid's right. price and you know what Detroit has basically done this season with Drummond um do you see him as like one both like a, a statistical and almost like narrative cash game lock for tonight he's only 10-7 on FanDuel it does seem like a little bit of a dip in price yeah it's unreasonably cheap it's just based on a four game stretch where the minutes have been down a little bit and the production was down especially in the Memphis and Toronto games I, I just want to say that Embiid is the plan is to play Embiid 36 minutes a game. Yes. Like we've seen that in close games where he's not in foul trouble. There's no extenuating circumstances. He plays 36 minutes. At a price of 10-7, this is just simply too cheap. Like, And I don't know why you would lower a guy like this by $500, $600 just based on a couple bad games. It just makes him, just almost forces him into the lineup. And yeah, Detroit on paper, about a league average matchup, you know, essentially mm-hmm. a league average pace, a league average defensive efficiency, maybe slightly above average in both of those categories, but it doesn't seem to matter for Embiid. Like he just, like you said, uh, seems to own that real estate in Andre Drummond's mind. So I suspect he'll be back at it building another mansion tonight. Yep. And I, and just as a point, I, the reason I bring up the narrative is because like some people just do use that as like some sort of litmus test for the, I personally don't, I just like, it's worth, it's just funny. Yeah. Here's a good narrative. He's cheap. He's too cheap for his production. He scores yes. 52 fantasy points a game. He has a $10,700 player. That's too cheap, so just play. 10-1 on DraftKings, pretty much almost a lock over there as well. Um, the other guy that our system sort of want, kind of wanted to play here is Ben Simmons. Um, not a guy that we've been too high on in the past, just because with Butler coming over and the emergence of Embiid as the clear fantasy kind of dominant player, um, you know, at times Simmons does take a back seat. He has not really exceeded this price, 9100 on FanDuel. He's been in and around it for, I don't know, five, six, seven of his last 10 games or something like that. Um, you know, not getting the tough matchups, by the way, a tough stretch of Toronto and Memphis sort of in a row. Um, yeah. that, the, the better stretch for him was when they went Brooklyn, Cleveland. Well, he North also North. lost his minutes Suns. against Washington and New York just because those games had weird game scripts. And- I mean, on a big slate, this is not usually a guy that our system wants to draw out here. And it's kind of seeing it in terms of Simmons against the Pistons here. Could you see kind of rock pairing him and be together here? tonight 
Yeah, I mean, playing Simmons it doesn't really feel like I'm getting away with very much on this price tag. Like, I get that there's a decent stretch of him scoring 45 fantasy points, but I'd really want to ask myself if he is where, if he's the best way I could invest a good portion of my salary, right? Uh, you know, look at some other options at point guard, try to figure out if that's a position I would want to punt away from. Because even when he was playing, like, he will get 35 minutes a game, again, in close games, and then he scores about 5x on this price, and that's nothing terrible on a $9,100 price, but I feel like, you know, you could just look up and down his game log over the course of the season. You have to really squint to see the games where you're just like, Ben Simmons was the reason you cashed on a given night on this price. Not every guy needs to be that way, but, you know, the more you invest in a player, the more you need from them, obviously, and... The fact that he can get you 32 fantasy points, 35 fantasy points, or you know, just wind up relying completely on Embiid. A lot of Embiid's buckets aren't assisted too, and that's not great for someone like Simmons. So, yeah, I'm okay playing Simmons, but I wouldn't go out of my way to do it. I mean, a couple other injury notes here for the Pistons. They are going to be without Ish Smith and Reggie Bullock. It could mean more minutes for Langston Galloway. That guy can't see a shot when he's in this lineup, so I don't know if that you're getting away with anything there. I guess maybe possibly more minutes for Reggie Jackson that didn't really materialized last time because Ish left the game early. So there's some wing op and point guard options possibly here for the Pistons. Um, our system just really isn't seen. Outside of Drummond and, and Blake, no one does too much on the basketball court for, for Detroit. Right. Um, I, I don't have a ton of interest in either of these guys. The, 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 the Sixers are very good on defense as well, um, although the line does kind of ring in as close. Anything you like on Detroit side? Yeah, not exactly. I think, it, well, Blake just seems to be about the right price so you're only going to play him in great matchups i don't think philly represents that uh he also i'm concerned about blake's minutes too like sometimes it's a game script thing but sometimes they just decide to play him 31 minutes and you hate to see it when you have a guy for nine thousand who you know just might randomly get 10 percent fewer minutes in any given game and like you said on those wing spots langston galloway is the guy who's just on the court reggie jackson it really hasn't mattered what else has been going on in detroit it's kind of weird given that Detroit was like really excited to acquire him. He just doesn't seem to be able to play more than thirty minutes in a game. Like it just doesn't, you know. Nor, and now these days it's down to like twenty seven. Well, the old so, coach was excited. Yeah. The old coach was excited to get him. I, like this Van Gundy was the one who was excited to get him. I don't think Dwayne Casey would have taken. Him. I think that's. I think it might just be a personnel issue. Now they don't have anybody else, so it's like. But even even Van Gundy was only playing him thirty minutes that's a game true. back then. Yeah. So I think it just yeah it hasn't it hasn't really mattered. So now Detroit big slate. It's not looking good for me. Here. I will say from a betting angle, um, this line started at two and a half. And if you were lucky enough to get it, uh, I think that, that you would have been in a good spot. That's up to three and a half for the Sixers. Our system does like them covering that three and a half point. So um, there aren't a lot of, on a big slate, actually, are we're not we're actually pretty much in line with a lot of the Vegas totals here. Uh, the Pistons, the, 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 the points for giving the points on the uh, Sixers side does seem like one way to possibly get some money. That's at the three and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw that jump a little bit too. All right, let's keep moving here. Pacers go in. Oh, actually, one more thing. I just looked this up. Just a note on Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's usage when he and Embiid are on the court together is under 20, 19.5. This guy is just not really part of the offense. J.J. Redick has a higher usage than Jimmy Butler when they're all sharing the court together. So just a note about what's kind of going on with Butler since coming over um, in that trade. All right, let's keep moving. Pacers go in and play Orlando. Very low total here, 207. Uh, Two-point home favorites for the Magic. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Bojan Bogdanovich, I'm not seeing much on either side of the ball here. This very low total. Like I said, 15, you know, 13 to 15 points lower than some of these other marquee games that we're <laughs> going to talk about. When you see a total this low, does it kind of just signal to you that the, DS, DF, the DFS value kind of goes with the total, which is to say kind of off the table? Yeah, well, it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, I think there's a number of different factors that, 
relate to DFS value. One of them certainly is the total. The other one would be increased opportunity uh, based on lineup changes, things like that. And I'm not really seeing either of those here. And yeah, that's, I mean, tight spread is another thing you kind of look for. So this game does have that, but I don't think it has enough else going for it. Uh, Oladipo has been out for a while, but Indiana's totally corrected uh, in terms of prices there. The Tyreek Evans thing never materialized. Derek Collison's now expensive. Just, yeah, almost a full skip. I think you can dream on Bojan Bogdanovic's upside on minutes. Like, he's shown games where you can get up to 37, 38 minutes. He's completely scoring dependent among players yeah. uh, that have scored over 500 fantasy points this season. He was something like fourth most reliant on just scoring to hit a fantasy value. So, um, you need to... Yeah, but small forward looks weak to me tonight. So, like, for big tournaments... And given the fact that there's really nice payoff options elsewhere, I think Bojan is totally... Oh, yeah. I wrote him up because the position's a total disaster. Uh, and on the Orlando yeah. side, this team has been pretty much the same for a while here. Vooch obviously has has had upside. Um, this match, it does rate to be very slow. Sacramento goes in and plays Cleveland. 222 over-under for this game. I believe that is the, it's the third highest of the day. Uh, Kings, two and a half point favorites over the Cavs. Let's start on the Kings side. This is a team that's shown uh, the willingness to just run tighter rotations than they have ever in the past. And that's meant, uh, you know, increased prices on a lot of these guys. It's also meant, you know, some really good fantasy production from, especially from some of their starters. Cleveland's basically the best matchup or one of the best matchups you can get right now from DFS simply because they're so bad on defense. They do play a little slower than you'd like to see, but the total's high. Um, and we do have a good, good enough sample size to kind of know what we're getting here with the Kings. Anything like you? Anything you like on the Sacramento side? Yeah, I mean, we have a good enough sample to know what they're up to, but you also pay for it now. I mean, like Bogdan Bogdanovich is $6,800 these yeah, days. Nuts. That's just absurdly expensive. Uh, Buddy Heel just keeps getting jerked around. You know, he was 8000 at one point this season. He's down to 6200 just on the back of extremely fluctuating minutes. Um, De'Aaron Fox is kind of the same way. Like he was very steadily playing mid thirties minutes. That hasn't really happened. So yeah, I think you have a good matchup here, but you're for my money, I'm pretty much looking at this in terms of big tournaments only. Uh, I guess the one piece of news on the Sacramento side that could influence things is Marvin Bagley. Uh, if he winds up sitting again, that does actually create a little bit of a cascading effect on some of the other power forward plays. Um, you know, a lot of people dreamed on Harry Giles last time around. That didn't totally happen, but didn't totally happen. He didn't play at all. I, both usage and minutes, and I think it's worth keeping. The out. Giles thing's crazy, man. I couldn't believe he didn't play at all. Like they they gave Kufos yeah. his minutes. I don't I don't understand that. I mean, I guess they have different. They're they're it's the Kings, dude. This is the Kings. But I think they're trying. I, I think it's the Kings trying to win. It's very weird. I think they I think they see Giles maybe as just too young. I think they they want to win here, and Kufos gives them maybe gives them that opportunity. It was very weird that Giles didn't play. Uh, and I'm I'm with you that the Bagley thing does. Uh, will jerk around some of those bench minutes. And also, like guys like Bijalika, um, Bagley does eat into some of his run as well. So um, the Bagley news for a, for a bench guy is important. I don't mind healed. Um, healed the, the minutes in the Phoenix game were crazy. They were just completely crushing Phoenix. So it's, it's hard to take any minutes from that game uh, and, no, and make any real determinations. What I like about healed too this season, he's scoring more in slightly different ways. Like he's getting to the basket a lot more. I looked at his shot charts last night, rebounding the ball pretty well too. If he can get, and if he can get hot from three, you do have, a little bit of upside on this price. And like I said, Cleveland is bad on defense. Now, Cleveland, they're a team. They just have a bunch of these combo guards. I, it's a little hard to know exactly what's going on with, with Cleveland in terms of minutes because they have a lot of guys. They're not, I wouldn't call them all the same, but they just have guys like now, like Clarkson, Burks. I'm going to throw Rodney Hood in that group. Um, they have City Osman. He's not really in that guard group, but they just have a bunch of these guys that will play minutes. Some are great on a fantasy points per minute, like the guards I talked about at the beginning. So other guys can just kind of disappear on you. I kind of I feel like there's something to be had here from this Cleveland side, and I just don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean it's remarkable 
that this game has a two and a half point spread, given that Sacramento is twelve and eleven and Cleveland is five and nineteen. Yep, <laughs> and that's I think uh, worth noting here that Vegas still sees this as staying relatively close. I guess given that the game is in Cleveland, but yeah, I think among those shooting guards, small forward type players, it's a question of not only who will get the minutes, but who will get the opportunity once they're on the court. Uh, this is a team that has absolutely no plan at all. Like they're not trying to exploit matchups. They're just basically playing pickup basketball and. Sometimes that means Alec Burks is going to go out there and, you know, put up a bunch of shots. And sometimes that means Rodney Hood is. Sometimes it means Seti Osmond's just going to be on the court for 40 minutes and people kind of lose track of him. Like, Cleveland just has no idea what's going on. And I think for cash game purposes, that makes them a pretty scary team to trot out there. Uh, that being said, I think specifically at small forward, that's a scary enough position that if you wind up with a share of, like, an Osmond or Hood, then maybe you don't, you know, put your head through a window. But... I would be pretty tempted. Just a quick gut check on you. These guys are basically a challenge price on one another. Uh, who do you like better, Osman or Hood? Oh, I'd like to take the night off. I don't want to play either. I, I guess Hood, but um, I don't. I'm taking Osman, man. I think the minutes are safer. I, I, I don't I say that. I don't say that with any conviction. By the way, I don't like. By the way, I will say the Cavs. I think part of this line is that Vegas is sort of throwing its hands up about what to make of the Cavs because, and this is more of a betting thing, but. Um, they have they've had a very bad run of in terms of schedule recently. So they randomly beat the Sixers and Rockets back to back. So <laughs> kudos. And then they lo- two of their five wins on the season. Yeah, but right. Then they but then they played the the lose to the Timberwolves, Thunder, Celtics, and Raptors. That is about about a four game stretch as you can pull um, in like for just in current NBA. Like especially if you're in the East, like that's a that's just a total gauntlet. Yeah. Uh, then they beat the Nets and then they get you know killed by the Warriors, which you can kind of see coming. Um, I, I yeah I, I our system does like the Cavs slightly excuse me does like the the Kings covering this these points um, the addition of Burks makes me a little worried about their second unit's ability to score and kind of keep the points close I don't know I think that's, that's the only that's like the only kind of like betting piece but this would be one I would probably take a little harder look at this line and consider getting some money in on the two and a half for the for the Kings because they just are a significantly better team at this point if Bagley came yeah, back, I think I'm, I think I'm happy to run that if Bagley comes back if Bagley comes back I think by the way that that really jumps in our system the scoring for him off the bench is a significant upgrade than what our system has them getting now so if, if we start p- pumping Bagley for 27 minutes and started taking that off like the Kufos and like Vigilica right. side um I think we would really see that spike so actually That'd be something worth mentioning here. That if you saw Bagley definitely giving a full go to play, and we might have that news early, it might be it might be a good time to jump in on those uh, on the Sacramento minus two and a half. All right, Toronto goes in and plays. Yeah, this line already, by the way, this line is already being bet to minus three on Bavada, and you have to pay minus forty to get Sacramento at minus three, and Cleveland is plus one twenty at plus three. So uh, I think. Yeah, they're getting served their dessert a little bit here. Oh, yes, but still minus two and a half and 110 on five dimes. All right, um, going to get that in probably as hopefully I can get it in before the end of the podcast. All right, um, Toronto and Brooklyn, Toronto nine point favorites. Toronto just killing everybody. Uh, they are awesome. I don't know. <laughs> There's just like they, they add, they get rid of DeRozan, add Kawhi, and now are like maybe the best team in the league. From in terms of an RPI standpoint, and they're not better than the Warriors, but they are from an RPI standpoint, they are best in the league. Obviously, that's been Golden State playing without Steph for, for a while. But uh, Toronto's awesome. They are getting a matchup here where you love to target centers against them. Now, Ibaka does start at center. Um, do we want to... I, I don't, they're not going to start Valanciunas here, so don't, I don't think worry about that. But is, like, is this a situation where we can translate the center production for a given team onto a guy like Ibaka, or is it just too untraditional to kind of use that stat as a watermark for how you want to maybe project a guy like him. 
No, I think it's reasonable. I think Ibaka will be playing the five here. I think if you want to use defense first position, uh, this would be an appropriate time to do it. The big question I would have in my mind is what what's the true minutes projection on Ibaka? Against Philly, he was a 40% start just because power forward is just so incredibly bad. Uh, he was very effective in the 24 minutes he was out there, but he only played 24 minutes. And the minutes for him can fluctuate from 23 to 36 down to 24. You just kind of don't know. And now you're paying a price that's 10% higher than you were in the Philly game. I suspect people, this worked out, this play worked out well for people the last time. And it's just been odd too to see like him and Siakam's prices just flip flop. Like <laughs> Siakam was the guy who was 6,700, and now he's down to 6,300. Siakam seems to have the steadier minutes to me, but he should be playing uh, the true four. I think I, I think I like Siakam better, just to be honest with you. But I can certainly understand why people would play one or either of these guys here. And then Kawhi's just going through a completely crazy stretch of awesomeness here. Uh, 64 against Philly. These are fantasy points. 64, 37, 56, 56, 45, 52 in his last six games. Uh, that's yeah, that's player. superstar level. He's only 10-2. Uh, you know, Brooklyn, for all their troubles, they do defend the wings a little bit better. It's, you can't really totally put that on Kawhi because he's like at a different like sort of superstar level. Uh, but they, they their, their problems are much more on the interior than there are around the wings because they're just, you know, all they have are these sort of like long guys. Our system is like doesn't love, it actually has Kawhi as the fourth highest overall projected small forward behind Giannis LeBron. Durant and then Kawhi. Does that strike you as correct? Or a lot of good players in that position. <laughs> yeah, I mean, does that strike you as correct? Because his recent game log would just suggest no. And then I don't know. For some reason, I'm feeling like this projection also might be a little low. Yeah. So the question you'll ultimately ask yourself is, how much do we weight the recent game log versus the full season of production? I'll tell you that on a full season basis, Paul George has outscored him in terms of fantasy points. And the group that you listed there, each of those guys is at least five points better per game than him on the season. So. My gut tells me that that is correct. Uh, the real question, I guess, is what about the price? You know, so Leonard is the full thousand cheaper than LeBron, two thousand cheaper than Giannis, and a little bit cheaper than Durant. Uh, Durant Giannis going up against each other too, notably. Talk about an awesome game <laughs> to get to tune into uh, at nine thirty tonight. But yeah, I I think on a raw points basis, yes, that that sounds absolutely correct to me in terms of whether you'll just play him anyway because small forward is so weak. And he's just, you think he's good value on 10 2. Uh, that's a different question. But yeah, in terms of raw points, absolutely. I was just, I was, uh, I'm jumping back in here, but I was going to make a joke about, <laughs> before I got muted, I was going to make a joke about making sure I got home in time to see the Giannis and, uh, Giannis versus the Warriors game going off here because we're going to a family function here. But I was saying that I wouldn't mind making an excuse to make a quick exit to make sure we're home <laughs> by, <laughs> by 9 30 because it will be what we're doing. I mean, it's like, you know, at the holiday season, buddy, those wreaths aren't going to make themselves at this holiday at this holiday function. No. So, um, yeah, dude, that sounds like <laughs> it's going to be really important for you to be there. So, good luck on it. Memphis goes in and plays the Pelicans. Uh, the higher total here, here on the Memphis side here. Now they're five point underdogs to the Pelicans, which makes sense. Um, I'm not sure you want to totally target the Pels against a very slow, very defensively sound Grizz team. But when you see Memphis getting maybe a pace up and defense down matchup like this, because the, uh, New Orleans ranks yeah 23rd in overall defensive efficiency, and they're among the fastest-paced teams in the league. Is this where you kind of start you know, jumping up and taking notice of a team like Memphis? Because, I don't know, this, this strikes me as a decent matchup, especially in terms of volume for guys like maybe Conley and, and Gasol uh, specifically. Yeah, I mean, the volume should be there, but the real question is, you know, we were talking again about what makes a good DFS play. Uh, price, which is generally informed by how consistent your opportunity has been on your current price point, 
is the most important consideration. And at least on FanDuel, Conley and Gasol are outrageously expensive. I mean, Conley is $9,200. The guy's averaged 37 fantasy points on the season. It just makes him essentially completely unplayable. Understanding that, you know, the usage has been up for him recently. He's obviously the cornerstone of this team. He's a really good player in real life, but not all good players can justify a $9,200 price tag. So basically, if you invest in Conley, what you're saying is, I trust the last five games, and, and I'm going to weight that so dramatically higher than the full season. Like, you could just go long stretches here. There's a four-game stretch right before this recent one where he played Minnesota, Sacramento, Milwaukee, and Utah. I had 35, exactly 35 minutes in each of those games and scored between 27 and 38 fantasy points. Any of those numbers would have completely destroyed you. Earlier this season, 36 minutes against Denver, 20 fantasy points. Like, he's a point guard. And he's a pretty scoring-dependent point guard, and he's at an all-time high price. It honestly doesn't even matter what the matchup is on, for Conley on this price. I'm not going to play him. And I think outside of him, unfortunately, since he's had the ball so much, in his hands so much, there's basically every position between point guard and center, so, uh, shooting guard, small forward, and power forward. You have guys whose production or minutes can completely come and go on you. So, I'm yeah, Memphis, you can get a, as good a matchup as you want for this team. For me right now, I'm not interested from DFS perspective. Oh, I like him from a tournament perspective. Um, uh, not cash. Who are, who are the tournament plays? That I would you like? Conley and Gasol because they won. The no one's going to play him from an ownership standpoint. They are no. They're big. They're going to be go completely underowned. I, again, I'm only talking tournaments here. I think by pairing these two guys together that are pretty heavily correlated, I started running correlations between just different okay. sets of players. Um, Gasol and Conley, and it makes sense, are very highly correlated. Now you see this with some like you know some guys like Lillard and McCollum are not. Um, which makes sense. Like they kind of cannibalize each other. But for you, you can find two guys. You know, Harden and Capella are like this. They they are they're highly correlated with each other. Um, because typically you're going to get the, the when one gets minutes, the other gets minutes. So that helps. One can ha- feed the other one. Um, in terms of just overall fantasy scoring, and no one's going to play. And we have seen at times, you know, 50 point upside from both in the same game. So um, well, I can I can see it for Gasol with Conley. Basically, if you play him at 9200, you need him to have his best game of the season for you to even have a chance to do well in big tournaments and i mean i guess i take it back there's two games where he had more than 50 fantasy points but even if he gets you 52 fantasy points you're not like gonna guaranteed win a gpp and that would be his third best game on the season you know so i don't know i, I guess i'm just not as high on him as yeah, not, it's not that I understand and this will be the last point i make this but i'm not high on them from a like overall like raw points I, w- I think they're safe plays. I just think that they, again, their ownership on them will be very low. We've seen it from them in the past. And, like, there are scenarios where this game stays close and they do play a lot of minutes. I think that, and that's, in the end, what you're looking for from GBP um, is that kind of, like, raw point upside. And I think that they both have it. And well, raw point upside combined with that they're just going to have, you know, 5% or lower ownership in GPPs would be my guess. Something like that. Uh, just because, because again, like you mentioned, the price points are so high. Uh, on the Pelican side... I this is such a pace down matchup against such a defensive team. I'm not sure if we like anything here, but maybe you see something I don't. No, not really. Bad matchup. So, you know, fair prices on these guys. I'm not going to play any Pelicans. OKC goes in and plays Chicago. Eight, OKC eight and a half point favorites. We've seen Russ just do Westbrook things. He's averaging like well over a triple double over the last five games. Um, he's he's right at a triple double for the season because he just got he just got the ten uh ten rebounds per game. No, ten assists per game. He's, he was up, up over a little bit over on the rebounds. Um. This is a good matchup against Chicago. I'm going to talk about the Chicago side in a second, but we saw a high ownership out of Westbrook, but even higher out of Paul George the other day. He's been a guy that people have really wanted to play in DFS, and he get, they got paid off if you played him the other night because he went completely off against Brooklyn. Good matchup against Chicago. Could you see people stacking these two guys again? 
I could see it. Um, I still wonder about Paul George just the littlest bit. Um, I think he actually was a really good play against Brooklyn, and we probably just whiffed on that. He was a little bit, he was cheaper in that matchup than he is now, and he was very heavily owned and was completely incredible. And it really looked, the, the thing I liked most about it is that Westbrook, in chasing those 17 assists, was just dishing to George possession after possession after possession and it was almost like yeah like when you go to play pick up basketball and there's those two friends that show up together Mm -hmm. and they're both like really good and then they just ignore the other three guys on the team that's certainly what it looked like in OKC last game and yeah I could see that repeating itself here Chicago pretty poor defensive team again I'm I'm in an issue or I'm in a position where I my gut wants to take issue with the spread here uh it seems like OKC I like them better than being eight and a half point favorites here. I haven't even looked at what the system thinks, but my gut tells me that a 16 and 17 that's fully healthy against a five and 20 team that has some injury issues is like probably going to win by a lot of points. And I would be somewhat concerned about the blowout, but I mean, we saw OKC take the other role. They were getting blown out in Brooklyn before roaring back. So uh, maybe you just can trust it and you can run these guys. I will say that, you know, between Westbrook and George, I would prefer Westbrook, even though I do think both are playable. We're uh, in, in terms of our system, we are within a point on both totals, so we're like right on this okay. Vegas line. So it's not really seeing any value in the eight and a half at all. Um, part sure. of that is because uh, part of that is because Chicago getting Laurie Markkinen back um, does add an additional scoring threat to their starting lineup outside of Levine, and that had been sort of an issue um, in terms of like them getting up scoring. Markkinen came back, entered the starting lineup for Parker, put up the most shots on the team, which I think is a good signal yeah, at least that we're getting away from the Levine Chuck Fest. Like just guys, one of the worst basketball players in the world to watch. It's just, it's just terrible, like just terrible shots, chucking time after time. It is nice to get Markin and back. It, that is a dramatic improvement for them, um, and I think our system is kind of picking well, up and, on that. And the word right now, too, I guess, is that uh, Dunn and Portis both have a chance to play tonight, too. I think so they're both doubtful. Like... I think they're both doubtful to play. Um, like I think the last no, uh, no, Dunn is out, and that Portis is doubtful. So um, was the last was the last news. I, I don't think either of those guys will play a lot, too. I think they'll. I think from our no, point, but even I, if they came in for twenty minutes, like Chicago's playing some true atrocities with those extra oh, yeah. like 20 to 40 minutes and Dunn and Portis are at least uh credible NBA players so Dunn would be a specific together, upgrade those guys would be an improvement you know? oh yeah Dunn he's not gonna play but when he does come back and you do need to take up their defense he's an he's excellent defender and that's something they're really mm-hmm. lacking around the perimeter right now uh but like he's not gonna play tonight I don't actually don't mind the price on Markkinen if the if the plan is to have him just be the set the focal point of the offense you are getting him at 6700 he could be like more like on FanDuel a 7500 player now, this is not a good matchup because uh, OKC is very good on defense, but I do think we're buying still a little bit cheap on Markin, and he played a lot more minutes than I thought he was going to play game after game, game over game, considering he had been out for so long with the injury issues. Uh, but if the plan is going to tick him up to be 33 or 34 minutes a game, then uh, we're probably buying a little low, and we might have one more game in him where we can get value if he's going to take 20 shots a game. All right, LA uh, goes in and plays the Spurs. Uh, this is on the home and home, I believe, because I think they, I believe they just played each other. I thought I had this queued up, but I don't. Uh, Spurs are one point favorites. They've been getting, they've looked bad. Their defense is bad. Uh, everything about them looks bad. I don't really know, except for like DeRozan being able to score. There, Rudy Gay put up a big game against the Lakers the other day. But um, what are your thoughts here? San Antonio is not a team that we've in the past, and when I say past, past years, wanted to target from a DFS perspective. But this game is a two twenty six over under, and the Spurs are just. Not good on defense. Like I don't, I just really no other way to put it. They're second to last in defensive efficiency this year, uh, which is they're worse than Phoenix right now by a, a, a tenth of a point. But um, thoughts on the Lakers? Uh, the one injury news here is obviously Brandon Ingram is hurt. Uh, I went off for a long time. What are your thoughts on this game? 
Yeah, I mean, we just saw them play each other two days ago, and we saw LeBron just dump all over them for 61 fantasy points in 39 minutes. And uh, we saw, like, Aldridge, he was a guy we ran out there just because we were sort of out of options at power forward. Yep. He was only okay. Gay was actually, they left him out on the court a ton to, I guess, try to match LeBron's scoring, even though he could do legitimately nothing defensively. But he was excellent in that game, too. So, yeah, I think there's things you can key in on in this matchup uh we did see you know both teams try to win the game and that that sounds like a weird and obvious statement but it matters in the current nba like uh they were uh, some because sometimes teams just don't try but um yeah derozan paid his price i think this matchup wound up being very very dfs relevant even though it didn't have a lot of exposure in cash games so you know in a big slate once again i guess you'd have to ask yourself was it uh luck or was there something to the fact that DeRozan, Gay, Aldridge, LeBron, that these big names did play a lot of minutes and, and produce uh, pretty reasonable totals? Or do we think that we're just in store for a repeat? Because if we are, then you probably should pay attention here. Yeah, um, we have this game as Lakers winning outright and um, the Spurs line a little low. But this is it's interesting because you mentioned the guy that this is almost a contingent on, and it's Rudy Gay. The more Rudy Gay is on the court, like the, the increased scoring from him actually matters. But also the increased sort of poor defense matters as well. And so um, it's it, it kind of is contingent on how many minutes we think Gay is going to play. I have him like somewhere around 30 minutes right now. I don't feel, or maybe like 32. I don't feel comfortable giving the same 35 that he got last game. Uh, let me just look real quick. We have him at, yeah, at 30 minutes. Do you, do you, if that strikes you as low, then that, this is going to kind of change our angle on the betting strategy here for them. What do you think? Do you think we see another 35-minute game out of Gay? Because that's like not really the norm for him. Yeah, it's not really the norm, uh, but we did see 34 minutes against Portland. And if you look at this, I, I, the cautionary tale, of course, would be Utah, right? He played 18 minutes, scored the zero points. That's a, a round number uh, right in the points column. And right. San Antonio was happy just to pull him out of the game when it's not working. And it looks like the plan is the old hot hand sort of fallacy where if he's out there and if he's making buckets, that he'll be there. Uh, but it doesn't. you don't have to look for very long to see plenty of games where Gay doesn't come anywhere close to paying uh, these kind of prices so that probably ultimately makes him more of a big tournament play um, and then on the ingram piece i think we might see a josh hart start i'm not positive here he did start the second half when ingram went down last game but only played 13 minutes total so i just don't yeah kuzma him... was the big beneficiary there i mean he played 38 minutes scored 39 fantasy points he's just 7100 power forward is weak you could go back to kuzma here too if you want i'm probably a little low on kuzma's minutes i think you could see more minutes out of kcp he did play 28 minutes off the bench kcp is much more fantasy relevant than josh hart is too because he actually will put shots up and he's actually rebounds the ball pretty well on this current form of the lakers so um if you wanted to translate you know 26 minutes on the kcp i yeah. don't mind that from a because he's still coming pretty cheap at shooting guard he's free uh, yeah yeah, so, uh, okay, uh, two more games to go. Miami goes in and plays Phoenix. Phoenix is just an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, like, I watched part of their game last <laughs> night against Portland. They had something, like, again, like nine points in the first quarter or some atrociously low total. They they stink as bad as an NBA team can stink. There's no way. Hey, look, they lost their two best players in Booker and Warren, so it's, it's hard to really completely fault them, uh, but there's clearly no other almost barely even NBA-relevant talent on this roster. I don't see a line in this game right now, but I'm not exactly sure what we're waiting for. I mentioned the Bam out of bio thing. It looks like he'll get draw the start for uh, Whiteside. I mean, we have Olenek at a decent amount of minutes, too. Could you see a scenario maybe just stacking out of bio and Olenek together at power forward on, on FanDuel and thinking that that's enough? That's probably enough power forward slash center minutes that you're getting out of the team playing the worst team in basketball. Yeah, I think that's a great route to go here. I think, actually, the 
health issues on the Heat are beneficial to us in this moment because uh, they could lead to just a closer game, which is what we should be looking for. By the way, the NBA this season, just do better. There's four teams with a 20% win percentage or worse. Like, that's that's terrible. Right. <laughs> so it makes it so that so frequently... like. Have, can you remember a season since we started doing this where you would just get like multiple, like three or four or even more uh, double digit point spreads on any given night? Like it's just absolutely crazy how like the spreads we're seeing this year. There's so. just a class of team that is five or six great teams and they have concentrated a lot of the talent around them and the other teams are just way worse. There's no other way. Yeah, and the nice thing is there's enough games in a, in a given slate and we'll get to a really good one here in a second that you just don't really need to sweat it too much. Like you could just ignore for like real life purposes the Miami and Phoenix game. I guess we're just cursed from a DFS perspective because oftentimes these totally insane teams uh, do create some interesting fantasy value. But yeah, anyways, I, I do like those Miami guys that you mentioned. I think on the Phoenix side, it is absolutely incredible that you could lose your two biggest scorers and not generate any fantasy value on a team. But here we are. Well, it's hard to generate fantasy value when your team doesn't actually score. I, this is the problem. Like when, when you they, score like nine points in a quarter. They can't score. They're <laughs> horrible. Like they, they they can't score. They're terrible. It's not an NBA team. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's hard it's, to watch. It's a borderline G League team at this point. They have eight, they didn't even start Aiton last night. They started Holmes to get him in foul trouble against Nurkic so they could bring in Aiton <laughs> later. It's like, this is the mess. I, 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 I was dreaming on some fantasy upside for some of these Suns guys, thinking that the minutes would be there. But at some point... The, the bottom level of talent just means you just can't get anything done on the basketball court, and that's kind of the world they're existing mm-hmm. in. All right, final game is, uh, like you mentioned, is the Bucks and the Warriors. This is the marquee matchup of the night, 240 over under. Bucks a one-point favorite against a basically healthy except for Draymond Warriors team, which really tells you something about how the NBA is going right now um, in terms of... Uh, Draymond was questionable, by the way. I, I Let me just double-check that real quick. Um, yeah, he's questionable right now, and then Middleton was questionable, but that was a personal issue, and he'll be back with the team today. So uh, Milwaukee will be at full strength, and like I said, the uh, Warriors could have Draymond. I doubt he would even play a lot of minutes, even if he did play. Like I said, one-point favor for the Bucks, highest over under the day. Are we getting any value on these two teams? They're both pretty good on defense, even, and they're both fairly priced. Um, thoughts on this, which is going to be the game of the night? Yeah, so I think this would be the game, like we talked about increased opportunity. The increased opportunity that comes from these two teams is the fact that you can pencil their really good players in for all of their minutes. And I think that's going to create a really solid floor for guys like Steph Curry. Uh, I think, you know, if you just picture him playing 36 minutes, I do believe that he is a $10,000 player on that number of minutes. It's just that he's so rarely, we so rarely get to see it because the Warriors are just cheatingly good. uh, So we just don't see it. And between Jonas and Durant, I think both those guys, you know, you'd be happy with either of them in your lineups. I do think that outside of the really big time premier usage guys that you'll, you're taking on a decent amount of risk, I guess is the way I, the best way I would put it, just because these teams concentrate their shots and talents so heavily when the situation calls for it. And, I, you know, something like a Durant-Jonas challenge game where they're just trading possessions uh, definitely seems like it's in play. Um, obviously, like Giannis, I mean, this didn't work out last time, but if Middleton misses again tonight, currently questionable for personal issues. Uh, so he just like could show up or he could not. Uh, if he misses again, that obviously spreads the ball out quite a bit. But yeah, I don't know. It's There's a ton of points to go around here. There are two teams that are generally fairly priced, but the increased opportunity that comes from security on the minutes, I think is enough to where you can dream on. 
Yep, and that's where we're usually are struggling with a team like the Warriors is that you can't give them max minutes when they play teams like the Cavs or Chicago because they're just going to kill like them. Like anyone, and they're not, yeah. not going to play the fourth <laughs> quarter. But if there's a night yeah. to give Curry 37 minutes, give Clay and you know Durant 37 minutes. Uh, this yeah, is Bledsoe's the one. another guy. I think you can give Bledsoe 35 minutes tonight too. A um, couple quick uh, statistical notes. Steph Curry this year, it's been much has been made about how great he's been. He's shooting 50% from three through 15 games. Uh, like, this is just un Solid just completely rarefied air. He, this guy was already, like, the greatest three-point shooter of all time, and now he's just up uh, from 44% for his career to up to over 50. You have to think it's going to come down at some point, but, man, I, maybe not. Like, maybe we just see a season where this guy can just sustain this. They, if there was a guy that you think could just, you know, break the four-minute mile or whatever it is in terms of just being able to <laughs> shoot from three, Curry does seem like the guy. And also, final note, but terrible job by whoever covers the Bucks. Middleton was away from the team all all day the, the other game and was not ruled out till like about 30 minutes before game time or something like that. Like, yeah. I just don't know how in the current NBA we're still having reporting issues like this. The guy wasn't even there. Like, not a shoot-around, wasn't there in the stadium, nobody notices. And then 30 minutes before game time when they're doing warm-ups, I guess someone says, like, hey – Where's Middleton? Oh, okay, and now and now he's out. I guess I just they should so- hire you, dude. I, I've always said you would be one of the best Bucks beat writers, and I don't, I currently don't understand why you're not out there. But I appreciate that. Maybe you can we'll see. I'll throw them, I'll see if I can. Connect I mean, yeah, just so you know, the Curry stat too, by the way, shooting 52 percent from the floor with his shot, just where he shoots from, it is to the point where like it kind of breaks the rules of the game. Like it is. Just as a to fan out for a second here, it kind of ruins the game for everyone when someone can make half the threes. Like when they made the three pointer up, they didn't picture that anyone would ever be able to make half of them and shoot ten a game. Like if you just and by the way, it's just the other thing. This is another one of your favorite arg- arguments, but like just go ahead and put Curry on the '87 Lakers and just watch what happens because all the people that are like, I still think the '87 Celtics are one of the best teams of all time. Fuck out of here! I'm gonna get explicit. Well, again, you get, the, you get a GTFO on that. The, yeah, the, like. the Warriors would beat that team by 50 points <laughs> in the first game that they played. They would beat them by 50. That's, I don't want to hear like the hand check point. bullshit or all that other stuff or like the sissy rules. I know we, I, this always comes up in our chat. Like whatever. Shout out to everyone knows who they are about who says stuff like this. This team would just absolutely and utterly destroy these teams. All right. Anyway, this is an argument for a different day. It's not even an argument. It's like oh, so when people think it's things are arguments. It's just an arguments. obvious statement. Yeah, it's like an obvious. <laughs> exactly. All right. We're going to get out of here. DFSR, you got me all fired up now. DFSR.com. We'll get you started. DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you the podcast listener uh, that discounted rate to our premium product. Uh, optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NBA. NFL, premium articles, premium chat, which our users really love in there, kind of just talking sports all night long. Uh, go check it out. DFSR.com slash deals. Free for seven days and then just twenty four ninety five a month after that discounted rate for the podcast listeners buddy enjoy a, what should be an amazing night of nba on friday here uh, and we'll be back talking basketball next week and we're also over to do our football podcast for this week's uh, game by game breakdown so go check that out as well buddy enjoy your friday night Are you an experienced driver looking for a career that pays well and offers vacation days from the start? If so, then drive for Penske. Talk to a Penske representative today and apply now. Call 855-CDL-PENSKE. Start driving with Penske today. 
Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's Big Fall Sale. Get thousands of styles from just 5 bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long-sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just 5 bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. 